1: Viewer discretion is advised. Your fave will be criticized.
0: That's Chris. That's Shan.
1: And welcome to CCTV, the non-stop pop show.
0: And today we are discussing the innovation of SM Entertainment's remakes. <music> If you're wondering who we are, Shannon and I have a huge range of experience in the music industry, from performing on stage to working at record labels. So we have a lot of insight into the crazy music industry, and you could now come join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash cctv pops shout out to our amazing crew members Lisette, lily and emily we hope you like our episode yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so today we're going to get into the history of remakes music remakes covers or samples in the music industry are commonplace in simpler terms a cover is a new performance or recording by an artist other than the original performer or composer of the song the reworking updating and interpretation of older songs could sometimes be for the sake of tribute and or introducing the artist to a new audience, but it could also be an artist's way of exploring their creativity and inspirations by giving a song a new life. And some of the most notable covers slash remakes include I Will Always Love You by Dolly Parton remade by Whitney Houston for the Bodyguard soundtrack and Hound Dog by Big Mama Thornton remade by Elvis Presley. And both songs have become absolute staples for both artists and the covers are actually more well known than the originals which is crazy but that being said the whole cover situation has come with some controversy throughout pop history. So in
0: K-pop, many idol groups perform covers during year-end specials and on music programs. And these covers are often given a modern production twist and are seen as just a way of showing tribute to past artists. And typically, when the remake is performed, most of the idols cover a legacy artist, which is a Korean idol of yesteryear. Such as <laughs> Kim Sung Jae's So To Say, As I Told You, being covered by BTS. Mm-hmm. Or Blackpink covering So Hot by the Wonder Girls. Or sometimes they actually perform the latest track by their peers. Right. So um, And on occasion Idols also cover Western artists For example Like Twice Covering End of Time By Beyonce Especially for K-Con 2018 And the iconic Milkshake mm-hmm. cover <laughs> Done by Four Minutes Yes um, But very rarely Does such a cover Or remake Actually make The group's albums um, These are usually Just special performances so For special occasions mm-hmm. And so This is done Throughout all Of pop artists True you Always tend to Cover a song Like an live show or something so great it's normal yes (laughs) (laughs) but this brings us to sf entertainment which is one of k-pop's biggest agencies and this iconic company has come to be known to take risks with its sound mixing genres wacky Mm -hmm. concepts and everything in between but before we dive deeper into the company and how they use samples and covers Mm -hmm. and remakes (laughs)
1: let's discuss what a remake
0: actually is
1: Mm -hmm. so what is a cover that's the question right so according to the american heritage dictionary of the english language fifth edition a cover is a recording or a performance of a song that was previously recorded or made popular by another artist however there are other ways that you can cover a song without utilizing the entire musical composition production y'all or the lyrics many artists use samples but what is a sample Mm, well according to
0: the collins english dictionary Sampling is to take an extract from one song and use that extract in a brand new recording Either by looping it or layering it with new production to make some sort of derivative work So this is very broad. Yeah, very broad definition. It could be using a line from a song, it could be using a whole section of a song, (laughs) Um, but it is important to note that there are actually two main types of sampling. So as stated in an article on Medium.com, sampling is rooted in understanding the copyright associated with music. There are two distinct copyrights in each song. So there's the sound recording itself, also known as the master copyright, which is the recorded version of a song. But then there is the composition or publishing copyright, which is the underlying melody, composition, and lyrics of a song. So, for example, going back to Jolly Parkins' I Will Always Love You, the master copyright for that song is her recorded version of the track and every element within that. Mm-hmm. The publishing copyright, however, refers to just the writers and their lyrics, composition, and melody. Meaning that Whitney Houston's cover of I Will Always Love You was also technically a publishing sample and also a cover. So they're actually, you know, both. Yes. (laughs) But no elements of Dolly's original recording were used in... Whitney's cover. So if she had used the same instrumental or backing vocals or just some other element that was in Whitney's recording Then those elements would count as a master sample
1: <gasps> That's right and another common word that is used in this world is Interpolation, but what is interpolation An interpolation is basically a short sample Taking one line or a familiar melody from one song and altering it to fit the context of the new song And this can be a master and a Sample where you take the extract from the original recording. For example, Exo's Ya 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 uses a line from SWV's You're the one. You know, uh, repeatedly throughout the track. Mm-hmm. And an interpolation can also just be a publishing sample where the artist and or producer recreates or recre- re-records a section from the original composition and or a melody. For example, NCTU's 90s love features a line from Passa Cavassier, which is, you know, don't this make my people wanna jump. Jump. For those who know, you know. But if you don't know, now you know. Don't this hit make my people wanna jump. Jump. And that was re-recorded by the group But no elements were used from the original version of that track Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So So First off, I used to work at a record label, and this was a huge part of my job. There are actually people, there's a whole team dedicated to just clearing samples. Yeah. Um, So (laughs) it is a common issue for sure. Totally. (laughs) Um, So legally, master and publishing samples are separate approvals, and depending on what the music actually uses, right? What type of cover or sample or interpolation actually happens. Mm-hmm. The artist's label will have to reach out to the appropriate teams to get approval and negotiate the licenses for the use. And I will note that there are many instances where the artists have recorded songs where they were not approved. <laughs> yeah, um, I've run into that quite a few times, um, and it's it's not great. So for all those aspiring producers out there... Oh my god, yes. Try to get some sort of permission before you put all that work in, because if you sample Michael Jackson, that estate will likely not approve it, and you just wasted all your time.
1: Yes, and I've actually been on the end where I had to approve. I uh, worked for a couple Publishing companies in Here in America And also for a Korean company And again Musical composition The beat Is different from the lyrics You have to ask everyone And a mama permission mm. um, But yeah So we would like to reference A common misconception Amongst K-pop fans Sorry for calling you loud, out But that's usually Where the discussion happens um, In the world of Demo recording Song placement And how songwriters Pitch their songs To other artists And their labels uh, For example Girls' Generation's Run Double Run Was written by Alex James Busby And Kale Engstrom, (laughs) sorry about the name, dude. Uh, In 2008, American singer Kesha provided the vocals for the demo of the song, but never actually released it as her own track. The song was pitched to SM Entertainment for Girls' Generation, and after acquiring the rights, SNSD released this K pop classic. this is not not a cover okay and though Ketch's version has since leaked on the internet the song was never technically hers and girls generation are actually the first act to officially release the track okay not a cover this is hey here's a song here's a demo singer here's the Pitching, yes. there's the placement. It Is just it. happened to be
0: a pop star that recorded the demo. <laughs> right?
1: right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Also, we know there
0: are actual cases of plagiarism mm-hmm. as well where the legal approvals were not obtained for the master and publishing sample rights. So, for example, when rapper 6ix9ine plagiarized Island by Winner with his song Nobody, he did not reach out to Winner and YG to actually get the rights yeah. to use. And so he released the track without crediting the group. But when fans caught wind, this rapper actually backtracked and just renamed the song Nobody Island Remix. Mm-hmm. Um, but did he actually get his official permission? Probably not. <laughs> no. No.
1: It ended up being one of those, like, this is a mixtape non-profit, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> and we
0: mentioned it before, but the most, like, notable lawsuit that happened was, or more recently, was the Robin mm-hmm. Thicke, uh, Pharrell Williams, Blurred Line, mm-hmm. situation with Marvin Gaye. Yeah,
1: that one was... Um, so yeah, I think
0: look that up if you're curious to learn more about all the legal battles that can happen with sampling and covering. Right. Um, it is a gray line because music is a creative thing, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, like, what is an inspiration versus a science? There's no scientific way. Right,
1: right. unless we really yeah.
0: analyze it. So if it's not the same notes, but it has the same quote unquote vibe, mm-hmm. is
1: it derivative or not? Yeah. Right, but also if you do want to see a little bit more about plagiarism and po- you know, not proven cases in K-pop, definitely check out our Shin Tiger episode. It was really fun and a lot of information that you guys could, uh, you know, talk about in the comments. <laughs> so
0: we're going to talk about some of SM Entertainment's kind of examples, all these different things that mm-hmm. we just talked about. There are many more that we have listed yeah. here, um, and like we said, it is very common in music you know mm-hmm. people are constantly sampling you know you're inspired by what you've heard in, in the past Right. so you know it's yeah. normal in in all art i think yes, right? i think so too. so our first example is regarding tbxq's iconic song you're right <laughs> 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 it's actually a cover. Yeah. Sarah Connor's Under My Skin.
1: Composed by the Danish producer Rimi. Lucas Sikon and Thomas Trolson. Under My Skin is a by bi- German singer Sarah Connor from her sixth studio album Sexy As Hell released in 2008. The track managed to reach the top 20 in Austria and on the European Hot 100 singles chart as well as number 4 in Germany so it's safe to say that the track fared well before SM obtained the rights to the track. Mm. Now for Mironic rearranged by Yu Young Jin and is the K-pop group's TVXQ's title track from their fir- fourth studio album of the same name. And the song has become a K-pop staple and has been listed as one of the best boy group songs of all time by Rolling Stone, which is yes, freaking amazing. <laughs> so before this episode, you had mentioned that you never heard no. the demo, but you knew it was Yes. A cover.
0: I knew it was a cover of Sarah Connor, and I actually do like Sarah Connor. She's actually a really cool artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of interesting that she never really broke out of kind of Western Europe. Yeah. Um, but she's a cool artist, mm-hmm. and so it was awesome to sing to it just now, but like in preparation for this. Yeah. Because um, it's cool hearing a girl sing it. Oh my god, I get it! It's fine. Totally. For sure. And totally. It's a different power. It's like a little sassier, just mm-hmm. the she's. Delivering it. Yeah. But it's interesting because the production is very similar.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, her production is more rocky. The, the guitar is kind of just strum throughout the whole song. Yeah. Um, and then the chorus that she has be- ends up being the outro chorus for. her TVXQ. Yes. So I think it's really interesting how uh, Young Jin kind of stripped away the guitar throughout yes. the song, but then brings it back for the hook. And then we get a rap section, we get her section, her, saw her version of the song was actually really sexy. Yes. He's like, oh, you're like a devil. That's like making me hot. And I'm like, Ooh. So they kind of kept the same yes, you know, message, even though they were trying to like skate by the yes. FCC out in Korea. They were like, you can't say under my skin. You got to say under my sky or something, <laughs> <laughs> like, which makes no sense. That was annoyed
0: me when I watched those performances. <laughs>
1: Oh my god yes but I have to say the whole like nah, don't, hey that hook is it that hook is it yes and this isn't a comparison like, like which one I like better but I have to say like chorus wise <laughs> Young Jin did his thing I'll just have to say. yeah I like that chorus I think there's
0: something about a boy band doing uh, yes. this yeah because it is like it is still sexy but it's just different having a group of guys Yuck. do it yes um <laughs> mixed with like the music video mm-hmm. and, 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 mm-hmm. you know, Yeah. Um, I, I I mean I personally I mean I have a bigger connection, I guess, to their version. Right, right. right. Um but yeah, I think I they kill it. They it's do. a good song. <laughs> it's such a good song. And that's such a great example of what an AR person can do, right? So mm-hmm. these are the people that help source songs for artists. Right. And you know, to kind of find this random track from Western Europe by this female artist right. and envisioning that it should be done by a Korean boy band. Mm-hmm. It's pretty brilliant and it's great.
1: Yes indeed. Yeah. Which brings us to our next SM boy group, Suju. And we're going to talk about Knockout, which was originally released by a UK group called Triple Eight. then redone with Suju and they called it Twins.
0: So, Triple Eight were a five-piece boy band promoted as the British equivalent of NSYNC, which they weren't. Cool. I I, I get that as, like, the (laughs) the, attempted tagline, but they never really got to that level of success. Like not even close. Um, So, Knockout was their debut single, released in April 2003 in the UK, and the single reached a peak position of number eight in the UK singles chart, which is, you know, that's okay. Not bad. But when Super Junior took it... Two years later in 2005, when they released it as Twins, parentheses, knockout. <laughs> and this is actually when they were still known as Super Junior, like zero 05. Five, yeah. Yeah. No. Um, it was, uh, like I mentioned, it was their debut single. Mm-hmm. And I would argue, was much more popular, probably, right? Yeah,
1: I think so, too, yeah.
0: Um, But yeah, so while they kept the original song's hip-hop influence, they did incorporate heavier bass elements and a quicker rap (laughs) and formed the song into more of a rap and rock piece.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Right. Um, And the promotional title of the song, Twins, was added to the song's title to mark the change in lyrics from the original song. Mm -hmm. The Korean lyrics, written again by Yoo Mm Young-jin, speaks of inconclusive feelings regarding love and following one's destiny oh yeah so, <laughs> what do you think of these two versions
1: okay as like a kind of sort of elf i always say kind of sort of because i wasn't there from the beginning yeah um when i heard this song i, I liked it i was like oh it's Suju you okay throw back suju they had yeah. the visual k hair he too was staring at the camera very creepily you know just memories so there's some nostalgia that is connected to this version of the song yeah. um and it's so interesting to hear that uh the AAA version actually has those little interludes of the R&B, the... already, which is crazy, because already you're starting to hear SM's kind of R&B influence kind of come in there, but they were still doing the rock thing, because of J-rock and J-pop. But yeah, I have to say... Like in the chorus section, Triple Eight's chorus for me, yeah, is better, yeah, for sure. Because like harmonies, yeah. yeah, it's just so like, uh-huh. knock out. Da, 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 da. I mean, it's the same thing, but just something about their uh, vocal production for Triple H version just is more appealing to my ears. Yes. I guess because that whole like '90s in sync exp- uh, inspiration. Um, but yeah, Twins is good. It's not bad, um, but it's just it, mm, it just this actually doesn't do better like sonically for me. Yeah. than Triple Eight but it's not bad I think it's interesting how they added like the the trademark SM rap <laughs> you know like that again you Young Jin knew what he wanted when he picked out the song so it's interesting what did you think about it And I mean so
0: I know Triple Eight if, if you know me at all I know a lot about Bruce pop music from like the early 2000s and this was an interesting time in pop music there because actually the boy band girl group was starting to die all these a lot of boy groups like triple eight were just kind of one of many mm-hmm. that like never really hits so, like they had a couple top 10 hits and then it kind of died right. um because that's kind of when yeah just pop music in general was just changing at the time um so it's interesting that k-pop would then kind of try and take the same song a couple years later and right. it just makes sense then why i then got into k-pop and i love British pop music yeah right? yeah um but yeah, I agree. Triple H's version is better in this case. I often forget about twins.
1: Actually, yeah,
0: of Super Junior's discography, it's not one that stands out to me. Right, right. Um, and yeah, I think the whole yeah, I think the harmonies are better in Triple Eight's version. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they just sell it a little better, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 it was like it's more sexy than it was like conflicty, like yeah, you know, no, no offense to Clevel Love You Guys, but the sound that they ended up developing was definitely yeah, yeah, yes. So debut versus debut is AAA triple got it. <laughs> <laughs> up next is a song that has recently come back up in a lot of conversations about covers and remakes and such, and that would be Like a Fool by Nylon Beat and SES's S's Dreams Come True. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know Nylon Beat was a Finnish girl group consisting of Joanna Colson and Aaron Ku Aaron Corvisto. There we go. Their main period of popularity was during the late 90s and early 2000s and their debut single produced by Finnish producer Risto Icy Kainen, Like a Fool, and also the translation is um, Fell in Love with a Loser. It's yeah. great. <laughs> um, their song actually peaked at number eight on the Finnish charts back in 1996. Funny how And in 1998, with further composition by Yoo Young Jin and group member Bada, SES would release Dreams Come True. And the version that we hear from the Korean group actually maintains the production and it is actually identical to the original, aside from the newly arranged rap part with that weird alien yeah. and some production flourishes.
0: Yeah. Funny how
1: I think this is one of those interesting situations again, because now we have the group debuted. They had a career for quite a couple years and then SES takes it and they're supposed to be like the antithesis, not the antithesis, but they're supposed to be the opposite of baby box. They're supposed to be fairy like girls. So this easy listening kind of dance pop track was absolutely perfect for them. And they sounded great. And I have to say like, uh, with sustained notes, like, uh, that Bada would sing. Maybe she sang them a lot more smoother, a lot more sweetly than the original singers. Yes Because to my knowledge They were just dancers But I like what they did With Dreams Come True It just sounded so smooth And sweet And then We got that weird Alien thing But yes. aside from that but the alien thing <laughs> We remember
0: always <laughs> yes. so, You know I think it does its job In that case Yeah so I had never heard Nylon Beats version Ooh. Until today mm-hmm. Um And yeah It's just a little One noted You yeah. know It kind of has The same vibe Like all the girls Like sound the same Like The two girls Yeah, yeah. I was like like I can tell When one of the Different one is singing you know? Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, there just wasn't much, like, I don't know. It dynamic. Was, yeah, like, it wasn't dynamic. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, SES is, is a classic, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. We have to mention Aespa's cover, though. So yeah. Aespa has recently covered it, completely redone the production with Boa's help. Mm-hmm. Yes! Um, and they did an amazing job, I think, bringing yeah. it to this century, <laughs> while right. keeping kind of the same
1: Feel Uh, yes Yes. yeah yeah totally yeah
0: same feel same vibe yeah original I thought they did an amazing job Mm -hmm. Um, so kudos to Boa and all the other people involved. This is such a great example of a second cover,
1: mm-hmm. right? And it's
0: a cover inspired by the first cover. Right. You know? So it's just interesting to kind of see how a song can have all these yes. different
1: lives. Cover-ception. section.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, so our final example for this section is Hot Summer. So K-pop fans will know it to be done by FX, mm-hmm. but Western pop fans will know it to be done by German pop group Mon Rose mm-hmm. who actually released it in 2007 so the song was written and produced by Danish musicians Remy Sigmart and Thomas trolson which is actually the same team for under my skin yes so- must be the same database somewhere, right? <laughs> and the song debuted at number two on the German charts before becoming number one. Mm-hmm. And that would actually be the second number one for the group. And the lyrics depict all of the hot things the girls like. Specifically, a hot bear <laughs> But FX released it in 2011 as a single from the repackaged Pinocchio album. And it's a more tame and literal approach to a hot summer. Like a literal hot summer. <laughs> yeah. And it's fully equipped with lyrics about sweaty four and a how to on how to enjoy the summer. And the single debuted and peaked at number two for the group. So it was actually a huge hit for both.
1: Groups. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, again, I, it's one of those things where I'm starting to notice a pattern. Like I haven't seen SM kind of dig into Western songs just yet. I'm pretty sure there's some that I couldn't find, but yeah. like, it's interesting to see where the, the, the A&Rs were listening. They're listening in Europe. They're listening at, they're listening to B-sides. They're listening to maybe kind of sort of hits. Yeah. How does this fit with our artists? Um, with, <laughs> with FX, they have so many songs that were already released and then artists scrap, which is so fun. We didn't get a chance to talk about them, but definitely check out our FX album reviews. Um, yes. but yeah, I, I like both versions. I think with Kenzie, when she rewrote this, yes. um, I think it was Kenzie or was it young Jen? Oh, either way yeah. Kenzie Young Jin when they're writing for SM artists they know how to make their, their group sound like a full group I mean Amber wasn't yeah. singing at the time so she has a rap it must be burning because I got too sweat <laughs> yes Kenzie did write now that I think about it Kenzie did write it yeah. um, I do like what the girls did with it because at that time they were kind of like a hipster pop group where everything was like be different we're cool we're very much very strange girls and this was like a
0: normal song yeah, for them it was their most like <laughs> regular pop song for them yeah.
1: yeah at the time so I think it was really cool to kind of have the song and everything's pretty much the same except for some uh, what's word for like some production flourishes here and there and I have to say that maybe because I grew up with this version I like it a little bit more than the Monroe's version because I didn't yeah. know what it was um, but Monroe's is really fun because I mean when I think about hot summer I think about you know, it's hookup culture it's hot girl summer yeah. like they were talking about hot girl summer before it was a thing Right, so I mean, what about you? I feel like it's pretty much the same song aside for some like little whee, whee sounds and extra things that Kenzie added, yeah, you know, was, yeah
0: kind of same song,
1: Yeah, basically the same song, yeah, um I will I'm not have a few thoughts on this, mm-hmm.
0: first off, we should note that like back then, even in like the late or the early 2010s, yeah. Music was still very I mean, it wasn't as global as it is
1: now. Yeah, you're right.
0: Mm-hmm. So it was actually very common worldwide to always kinda just take songs that are charting in other countries mm-hmm. and then give them to some other artist in some oh, other country. Me. Right. This happened all the time. This used to happen all the time. It doesn't happen as much now. Oh true. It's how global everything is, like right? How easy it is to access things. Yeah. But so this idea of taking like another girl group for another country's song mm-hmm. and then using it for your own girl group is yeah. that's normal, right? Yes. And so that's interesting because that's just like the, the times mm-hmm. and how uh, it changed. Yeah. Um Monroes. I have given give a shout out to Monroes. We've actually had a few requests for yeah. us to cover about yeah. uh, Monroes and their history. Mm-hmm. Um, so let us know if you guys are still interested in that. Um, I don't actually know too much about Monroes.
1: They were not pop stars, that's all I know.
0: Yeah, but I'm <laughs> down to do a deep dive into yeah. them, because I feel like I would probably like them a lot mm-hmm. um, I if I had the time to, to do it. So yeah, just let us know. If they did
1: their thing. thing. Yeah.
0: But um, <laughs> yeah, actually... I like Mon Rose's version better. Oh, okay, yeah. I think the their vocal execution is better.
1: Oh, um, there's just it's, again
0: it's more dynamic. Oh
1: I my god, Moon yeah. Has, okay,
0: I love Luna's voice, mm-hmm. but I think combined with Crystal and, and Victoria and everyone,
1: right? It's a
0: little soulless.
1: You know that makes sense. Okay, yeah. yeah. Hot summer, uh, you know it's felt oh, like, a hot summer. Yeah, but, a hot... different than if, if it's a hot summer, would you be singing it like that? No. And the exactly. Monroe said, it's a hot summer, a hot. you're right, exactly. point me." Yes. <laughs> and
0: so I also feel like because FX's previous stuff was so experimental, mm-hmm. it felt too safe. Ooh. And it felt like not inspired, and almost felt like we need to repackage something. Let's just take this other girl group song from this other country. It was a hit over there. Let's just try it over
1: here. That is so easy. So, you know what's crazy? I used to have a beef with this song because like, I hate when SM gives them the the, the recycled songs. And now I, my whole tune has changed. And he brought up something that really made sense. Yeah. That's right? It was simple.
0: Yeah, we're not bringing up some of shiny stuff because we, we talk about shiny in depth in our Shiny One Hundred One. Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, we have Love Like Oxygen and Juliet, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like they it fit their sound and it they really. Folks, yeah. This doesn't really fit FX's experimental sound, so that's yeah. why it felt safe.
1: Ah, yeah. nice! Maybe that's, maybe my little 12-year-old self knew. She was not uh-huh. she was not jiving with it. <laughs> Alright, up next we are going to talk about demos. Mm-hmm. Demos, people. The songs that get recorded for people to pitch them and then get placed. Yes. Alright, so <laughs> I'm bringing that back. <laughs> we did talk about the run devil run situation already, so we're just going to hop into another SMRs, which is FX. Yes. FX's red light was actually Actually written by a group uh, collective called phrased differently And red light is a dynamic electro house songs with lyrics Reflecting on what is important in life and also it has a message using a red light to symbolize a warning and when Kenzie wrote it She made this very, very much cryptic um, but originally Megan Cotton of phase differently Daniel Ullman, Brian Jarrett Allison Kaplan and Sherry St. Germain were credited with the songs music and also the lyrics and the the original lyrics were actually just like a huge back off to a thirsty dude at a club who was getting too too touchy. Like, hey, hey, it's a red light. She said, hey, wait a minute, I just came to dance, boy. Very simple, you know. Um, And after Kenzie wrote the lyrics to Red Light, uh, despite mixed reviews, the song debuted at number one on eight Korean music charts and attracted over 250,000 downloads in its first week. And the song peaked at number two on the Gaon Weekly digital chart, becoming the group's ninth song to chart within the top ten and this song also won a total of five weekly show awards and was nominated for the 2014 k-pop golden disc awards in the record category so even though the song was very cryptic and strange it was one of those songs when I first heard I thought whoa what is this
0: Yes, I think this is a great example of how you can take a demo mm-hmm. that is just kind of okay. Yes. Lyrics are just kind of okay. Mm-hmm. And then really turning it into a unique song that really fits mm-hmm. the group that you're giving it to. Because right. Red Light, yo, yeah. is so good. Yeah. The song itself is amazing. Mm-hmm. All the girls sound great. Yeah. The video's great. Right.
1: Amber sang for the first time, so everyone was like, shook up. You know? Yeah. It was, it was interesting because yeah. the I, listening to the demo, the... I was like, oh my God, what's going on with the chorus? The melody of the chorus is different because of that yeah. dun dun dah, dun da dun dun da, caterpillar, which they got banned for saying because you cannot mention brands out there, which is uh, I get it. But no kid is gonna sit there and buy a freaking bulldozer. But you know, a- <laughs> But yeah, I think I think they really delivered really well. And that's a testament back to you, young Jen and Kenzie, because they knew. SM knows what they want to sound like and those two know how to write for the artist yes, how to how to change a song yeah take a demo of a song mm-hmm. I guess you could also look at a
0: demo just as like a rough version mm-hmm. a draft of a song mm-hmm. and yeah they're able to then take it reinterpret it right for the artist that they're giving it into and this is a great example of, of that totally absolutely the next example is tell me your wish Genie by Girls Generation <laughs> This is actually their first track done with Western composers and producers too. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. Yes. and this was later encouraged throughout kind of all their music moving forward. Actually, mm-hmm. um, so it was written in Korean yeah. by Yu Young Jin and produced by D Sign Music and Fridolin Nordso. And the song was actually originally composed in English as "I Just Want to Dance" by Natalie McComa. Thematically, Genie fits in with Girls' Generation's concept of love and relationships. And it was a bit more sleek Than the group's previous releases mm-hmm. um, And the original singer Natalie McComa Is a Congolese Dutch singer-songwriter Who was signed to Sony BMG But she released her version
1: Yeah, so yeah. From what I found oh, When I was thinking On the internet yeah. uh, Young Jin had Written something That scrapped the idea Because it was for An undisclosed artist So Natalie's Actually is the Is she the egg In the situation? Because she released it yeah. A year after But it's so interesting To oh, hear first. Te- was technically first, right
0: even though she released it later, she
1: did it right. first Oh, yeah. come on now, chicken or the egg. Yeah. But um, yeah, so her version was released after, which is kind of like, dang. But when you listen to it, it has more of like an EDM kind of sound. There's little yeah. pew, 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 lasers, yeah. <laughs> like there's an actual DJ. Yeah. And when the dance break does come in, it kind of allows for that DJ, to put it back on when th- the song does come out, which is yeah. interesting because random English in SM songs have become commonplace. It's almost like a... It's A topic of vertical kill at points too because it's almost like
0: doesn't always make sense.
1: Right? I mean, you're talking about so on and my and all of a sudden, DJ put it back on. So the dance break in Natalie's version is a lot more Lady Gaga, Red One, <laughs> Lasers. <laughs> <There's> lasers, right? <laughs> Put it back on. But SNSD they stripped away a lot of the electronic sounds yeah. which made it more again sound really sleek And I do like their version Yeah, it's a little more elegant Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: I'd say Natalie's is more yeah, like Lady Gaga's a great example like just dance that kind of more intense yeah. dance club song yeah. um <laughs> it's so good. It's actually mm-hmm. really good. I love the way she sings it. Actually. Yeah, It's just great voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, SNSD's version. Yeah, it's just a little more pulled, a little more laid back. Yeah, a little sexier. A little yes. Sexier. DJ, put it back on. And I like both
1: actually. I like okay, both too.
0: Of we- it too. There are elements in Natalie's that I think. I wish I actually were in mm-hmm. Girls' Generation <laughs> uh,
1: maybe, maybe, not, but, like,
0: <laughs> maybe not the length. Maybe not at the QQQs. I don't
1: know. You know what? Honestly, I think, I think Girls' Generation, what they ended up doing it um, with Young Jim, when he added that extra, that outro for Taehyung, that yes. I was like, girl, she took it to a whole other level. So the song ended up being a lot more like... It kept building. Yes. You know? So... I. I like both for sure. They definitely have a different place in my heart. Like one's like you know, oh, shake my boobies at the club, you know, Uh you know. And then the other one's more like, tell me your wish, baby, yeah, you know. So yeah, so different feels, but love them both. Up next is probably the, the is it a fishy section, I don't want to call it fishy, but it's a little, it's a little grayish area here. Um, these are the remakes and interpolations with the SM sound. The bass slides, the R&B breakdowns, and all the things that make up the SMP, the SM production, we have all come to know. And as time has passed, if you notice, SM sounds have developed and when they do source outside productions, by the time the song is released, there are additions to the productions and lyrics that really give the song the unique sound that fits their artist. Yeah, so it's not new sections.
0: Actually, yeah, not. just addition. It's we'll just whole <laughs> new section. Right. Yeah.
1: Facelifts. Kind of like facelifts. A little boat moments. moment. <laughs> um, and we're going to get started with us mostly songs that kind of came out this year. Not last year. least last few years. Last few years. There we go. Yes. Yeah. So, first song is Boa's Better and Was Like I Do. Yes,
0: so in November 2019, an understated self-love anthem called Like I Do by Awa, who is the past winner of X Factor Sweden, uh, was released. And the song's production features dirty bass and a minimal flourish and a simple piano melody mm-hmm. well, yeah. you said love me as well. Love love me you
1: know I do. You better love me like I do.
0: But a year later, a virgin penned by Yoo Young J thought. He's yeah. amazing. <laughs> okay. uh, uh, yeah, as I mentioned, a year later, would be it would be released for Boa's 10th studio album, <laughs> but with a few changes. <laughs> While well, yeah. the instrumental and everything kind of stayed the same, mm-hmm. the pre hook and chorus melodies were completely different. Yeah. Um, also, there are more swelling strings and a two part bridge with a, just a funkier approach.
1: There was a lot of controversy when
0: this first came out because people yeah. thought that Goa had stolen it. Yeah. But AWAL then came out and was like, no, don't yes. break. We've been working on this. Right. She asked for permission. And yeah. I had my input in, in her version as well. well.
1: Right. Which is amazing because I remember hearing the song. I heard do doom And I was sitting there like, why does this sound familiar? Cause I had heard Awa's version before, yeah. right? I thought it was so cool. It's so sleek. I'm like, you, yes, she's talking about having a bedtime. She's like, don't call me past 11 because I need to love myself. Appreciate my boundaries. I like that. Okay. And then I heard this and I'm like, why does it sound familiar? And then the chorus comes in completely different melody. So it threw me off wow. and I'm sitting there thinking, Oh my gosh, these songs melodically throughout the verses But when the chorus comes in, it just adds a different feel. It's smooth. You hear a lot of like synth strings and it's so fun to listen to. And what what young Jen did with Boa probably had a hand in as well, is oh my god, they took the song and kinda just like oh my elevated it. Yeah, that's the word. I couldn't find out the word. I just love it. I don't I I kind of
0: it to another
1: level. Yeah, yeah. And that in that bridge. Yes. it, it really shows that you don't have to Stick with what's given to you and typically not even trying to be funny, but like maybe not even funny but uh, not just sound like a know-it-all but I've been talking to a lot of people who've worked with SM and And listening to what they have to say about how they write certain things and a lot of the times when they produce something Everything has to be done the harmonies the melodies etc yeah. Everything has to be done not saying that they didn't go back in and work on the song more But it's so interesting that they heard this song and thought we can build on this. Yeah, you know, and that's what makes SM kind of stand out from other, I mean, there's a whole bunch of groups that cover things and use samples, but what makes SM different is that they're not just covering it. They're not just saying, oh, we're going to feature the artist." that kind of did, no, they're yes. taking it and then like putting some extra good juice in it.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> this isn't a hot summer situation where yeah. they just took the song and just covered it and you right? know, just added a few little things and kind uh-huh. of it. They literally like... Gave it a facelift. Like, yeah. creatively analyze the song. What can they change
1: to mm-hmm. make it better? Yeah. And they did. Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. All right, so our next example, mm-hmm. speaking of levels, <laughs> is Espa's next level and Ashton Wilde, but also Next Level. <laughs> <laughs> so this was written and produced by Sophie Curtis, Mario Marchetti, and Adam McKinnis. So it was originally featured on the Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw soundtrack. And Next Level is a braggadocious, edgy pop single with a simple, effective structure. Mm-hmm. On
1: the next level, they all trying to catch up to my next level.
0: But when performed by Espa, the electronic coolness gets morphed into different genres throughout its duration. And unlike the original, the group's lyrics, which were again written by Yoo <laughs> Young Jin. <laughs> what are they going to do when this guy retires, man? Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, their version takes a literal approach to the next level.
1: For the next level, North Next level, And the
0: song is a continuation of the group's story from their debut single, Black Mamba, telling their journey into the fictional Kwangya universe. Kwangya. She loves (laughs) Kwangya. And they're searching for a villain throughout it.
1: Yeah, Black Mamba. Always looking for Black Mamba! Um. Yeah. This song, when we first heard it, I'm gonna say collectively, I don't think we liked it very much. No. Uh, you know, I'm I'm also not a fan of Kwangya and Kwangya getting forced into the lyrics of everything. So I've already kind of beefing. I didn't like it. Um, but I did like the the dirty again. It's another dirty electronic bass that. Dum 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 It made me feel like. Really cool. Now, when Ashton was talking about syncing this song for the Hop, the Hopshaw soundtrack, yeah. she got lucky. So, not lucky, but she was like, I didn't think they were going to actually deal with it. You know, it's, just, it's the lyrics aren't, like, amazing. But with her song, it's not about the lyrics. Because lyrically, it's not like, wow, changed my life. But it's the feel. Yeah. And this song definitely has that feel of coolness of being that chick or that person, whatever. Yeah. So, the way they took it, it still has a coolness to a certain extent. And then they add all these R and B and jazz breakdowns, which just is an ode back to our old SM artists, but it just felt very much lumped in there as opposed to cleverly added like with better, it felt like it was part of
0: another song, and they yeah. kind of threw it in there to try and make it different a little yeah. I will say Ashton's version, mm-hmm. while the bassline is really cool, mm-hmm. it doesn't really go anywhere. No. Right? It's kind of the same song throughout, and it, with that's the complete opposite, where it yeah. just goes there. everywhere. Um, <laughs> so, I don't actually love either version, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I will say the bassline is cool, Yeah, um, and it's memorable, mm-hmm. um, and Esclade performs it really well. Yes, the they do. Team. <laughs> um, for those of you who are not watching guys we just did the dancer team so yeah. missing out but um yeah I mean again it's an example of how SM can just kind of take a song and give it some Judge, yeah, some, right. Some, <laughs> Whether you like the judge or not, yeah, um, but it's just interesting to, to, to hear their choices, I guess.
1: For sure, exactly. This is where those uh, those those SM sounds may or may not be the best, yeah, but they're not bad. It's just wrong song. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. So our last example for this section is Girls' Generations' Dancing Queen. So the original version is actually Duffy's Mercy, mm-hmm. which was released in two thousand eight. probably heard yeah. the original, yeah, Yeah. Right? Because yeah. it was a huge hit worldwide. Yeah. And it was even nominated for a Grammy Award. Mm-hmm. And the song has been covered by a multitude of artists in various settings, um, like including, I think, One Republic it for Live Wow. Oh. And it was on the TV show Glee. Yeah. And that version charted, too, you know? So it, yeah. it's a huge song. So it's just interesting that Girls' Generation would then decide to cover it only a few years later. Yeah, those were um, not the best choice. Yeah. Because while <laughs> Duffy's version had darker lyrics about how Having unwanted feelings towards someone, and there was a lot of soul mm-hmm. in the way she was saying it. Yeah, Girls' Generations was much sweeter. Yeah. There was a bit more of a pop production. They still yeah. use a lot of the the, the, the lines and the lines and stuff yeah that are in Duffy's version, but they definitely added uh, more pop elements to it as yeah. well. The way the song is very sweet. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, because they're singing about a dancing queen that they have a girl crush on. Like she danced so well, she inspired me. Not, not great. <laughs> What came out before then? Was it um uh? Oh boy. I got a boy, yeah. which is also a
0: cover or is a oh,
1: demo. Again, it yeah. feels
0: like they knew I got a boy was like gonna throw people off. So again, <laughs> it felt like let's take a song that we know people like the melody of. Yeah.
1: It already a hit,
0: so that we have a safe song in conjunction with that mm-hmm. boy. That's what this felt like. Yes. Because it felt very safe. But like, even the way they're singing it, there's no soul
1: there. No. And no. like the way Duffy sings it, there's. She's is poor. She is. Wait, Just hang on. We got in trouble for not saying soul. So before y'all try to come for us, talk about oh soul. They don't have souls. That's messed up. We're not talking about poor, unfortunate souls. Ursula snatching their soul. They don't have any spirit. We're talking about like the timbre of your yeah, voice. She- yeah, it was missing the passion. Okay, was- <laughs> you're right. It was lacking that. Yeah. Um. You know what? I don't think this is the best choice for them. <laughs> oh, I don't think this is the best choice. Sorry, before. Yeah. I remember when it came out, I was like, what? Yeah, it was unnecessary yeah but like you said it was, it was them playing it safe um yeah I mean I think technically girls generation like sound
0: good like they're hitting the notes and so right like yeah 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 versus like
1: yeah different right it's completely yeah. not utter difference um this wasn't my favorite thing by them but you know it, it, it did what it needed to do and I am a fan of saying this I remember I was gonna say that I'm a fan of you know, covers and samples and interpolations if they're done right. I mean, if you think about oh, an amazing sample, If by Jared Jackson has 51 different samples from 51 different people, but you will never know. Because no. they done ate of that production. Now, typicality and familiarity are good it helps people kind of create a connection to songs and help them feel like, okay, I might like this even before hearing anything. Yep. Um, but when people are being uncreative, like in this, for the sake of this, and then some, even some Western artists have gotten a little bit lazy. They're not utilizing the sample in a way that I think would elevate their sound as yep. much as it is to kind of receive some type of easy recognition. Yeah. Um, it kind of, it feels like not, not cheap, but it doesn't feel as, uh, rewarding as maybe better with, yeah. you know better or, or even with some fans Espa's black mamba not black mama Espa's next level so it just needs a little extra oomph and not just hey we pluck this and put it in our song but overall i think sm has done a really good job with finding songs yes digging archival stuff from like yes. danish finnish europeans and it's amazing it's really impressive i'm, I'm very curious to know why we haven't done that as American artists, but I guess we have though we actually have. Oh, we have. We have. When? Yeah. Tell us. We'll talk about it on another episode. Yeah. Let us know if you'd like for us to talk about that on another episode. Yeah. Leave us in the comments. Yeah. I <laughs> will
0: say it is interesting just looking at the evolution because mm-hmm. it was it it, it is interesting because it tended to be kind of straight covers in uh-huh. the beginning. They might add some production flourishes and stuff. For nice. the most part, they kind of kept it the way it was. Right. To now being like we're just going to take this as this just like first draft that we're going to do. Yeah yeah to the 20th draft you know what I mean mm-hmm. uh, so it's cool just to kind of see uh, how they've kind of used samples mm-hmm. kind of through time right uh, but anyway that wraps up this episode yeah uh, leave us some comments on your thoughts on the songs that we mentioned the songs we didn't mention mm-hmm. let us know if you have questions on samples and stuff both of us have a lot of professional experience dealing with, <laughs> with them in every way possible uh, <laughs> and I've definitely blocked a lot of songs from coming out Ooh. So yeah, you can hit <laughs> us up on our social media accounts at CCTV Pops, and just let us know, and you know what else you'd like to see featured on our on our show. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, please give us a like, subscribe to our channel, and hit that notification bell. And for our listeners, please give us a rating and review on your preferred podcast platform. Don't forget that you can join us. Oh yeah, Patreon. That's right, ah. Patreon.com slash CCTV Pops. So until next time, Mm -hmm. that's Janet. That's Chris. And we are CCTV. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs)